Hello and welcome back to Startup Heroes. This time we have a very special guest. It's uh, Deirdre and Sydney. They are the founders of Be The Change Youth Initiative. Some of my dear friends, uh, they roped me into being on their board for their nonprofit. I don't know how they convinced me to this day, but I think it's more bad for them than bad for me. So we'll see. But uh, yeah, so th thanks for coming on the show, guys. Thanks for having us. Yes, yeah. thank you. We're so uh, excited. This is a little different. They're not obviously a business. They're a nonprofit like we've done in the past. Um, so we're just going to do the same formula, but find out what they do, why they do it, and uh, where they're going. So first off, like, what's, what's Be The Change? What do y'all do? Yeah, Be The Change Youth Initiative is a nonprofit focused on youth empowerment and mental health advocacy. We have different projects, but a lot of it started from my own um, desire to create a difference within my community. My parents encouraged me to fundraise for a different organization. We've grown up, we've been encouraged by like all my siblings. I have three younger siblings. We've all been encouraged to um, advocate for other people. And so instead of having like typical birthday parties, we would pick like a organization or animal shelter to either give donations to instead of like having birthday presents, but different things like that. And so we've always been very mind, like, like minded in that sense where we're always trying to look back on how we can give back to other people. So for 15th birthday, it's a big one in our house. And so my parents used to be wish granters for the Make-A-Wish Foundation and the automatic connection was there. And so I was like, oh, that would be cool to raise money for them. Um, and so from that point, it kind of just like snowballed into what it is today. So you had a quinceanera. I wasn't really a quinceanera. <laughs> It was, like, it was a Marvel birthday party. Yeah, it was a Marvel birthday party. <laughs> Even cooler. <laughs> I didn't have many friends. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so you made this to make friends is what I'm hearing. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> That's the plan. Uh, what about on your end? What, what's... Yeah, no, I think the one part that Sydney did not mention was that she committed to doing the fundraising for Make-A-Wish before she knew how much it cost. And so, um, which I love, she's always been like that. She's like, yeah, let's go. And and then she, she'll be like, oh, okay, all right, well, let's go, but we gotta figure this out kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And so that was the first moment of like really being gung-ho. And then she's like, wait a second, how much do I have to raise? And it's $7,000 in Maine, which is where we're originally from. Um, yeah, so freaked out because she was 14, didn't have a job. She's like, how am I going to raise $7,000? So we said, find friends and like, let's fundraise together. But it was really hard because a lot of her friends um, f were in school. And so they didn't have a lot of time, extracurricular time. So yeah, we just kind of said, okay, how can we do this? How can we create fundraisers? And that we essentially said, what are they already doing? And can we turn those things into fundraisers? So can, we had friends that were uh, cross country runners. So they ran local 5K races and wrote fundraising letters. Sydney wrote her first song and produced it and sold it on Bandcamp. Uh, we had a, a senior that was a really great designer. She designed our first shirt, which made us like $2,000. And so it was a group of 12 teenagers all working together over the course of six months and they raised the money. And so that was kind of, we didn't know it at the time, but that's when Be The Change was first, like, I don't know, planted, the idea mm -hmm. was planted. And what wish was that that you granted? It was actually to get a puppy. Yeah, for one of the kids that was That's part awesome. of the program. Was mm -hmm. it like, uh, like a service dog sort of puppy? Or? I think so, yeah. 
That's awesome. I can remember. So everyone, or a lot of people in Chattanooga that may know you don't know you because of that. They know you maybe for the concerts you do or kind of the music. So how did a Make-A-Wish wish granting go from buying a puppy to now you have a band and you play all over town and you draw on coffee sleeves and all this crazy stuff. So walk us through some of that journey. <laughs> oh, just a small Long journey. story, short. Okay, and action. No, um, <laughs> yeah, I think the desire had always been there from the very beginning. We want to create a space where we can encourage youth to see that they have something to bring to the table. Another part of the story as to why Be The Change was started is because there was a youth leader in my life who told me that my gifts weren't good enough and that I was too young to make a difference. And so whenever I tell people that, they're like, that can't be right, that doesn't sound right. I'm like, actually it is, like you will actually believe it. I wish believe. it wasn't true. Hey, right, exactly, I wish it wasn't true, but the sad reality is there are some people like that. And so I think because of that, I wanted to be able to create a space where we could encourage other youth to see that they have something to bring to the table, that they are meant to be here, to create a positive impact, and nothing should be able to stop us from doing that, especially what other people are going to have to say about us. So that kind of started this journey of doing that for three years where we focus on fundraising. We got kids all over the U.S. to raise over $80,000 for different organizations. We worked with an organization in Haiti, Rwanda. We did other Make-A-Wish Foundation programs. We did smaller nonprofits. It was kind of just a culmination of all of those different things. But we really wanted to kind of say, like, how can we encourage as many youth as possible to say they're here for a reason? And that they can bring something to the table and people need to listen to us. We're not the leaders of tomorrow, we're the leaders of today. So we did that for three years and then Brayden started struggling. Brayden's my younger brother, um, but he started struggling with depression and suicidal ideation. And when that happened, everything kind of just changed for our family. I don't know if you want to say anything there, but. Yeah, we had an opportunity to work with a chapter of Make-A-Wish in Houston, Texas. And so at that point, Sydney, side story, Sydney um, had a chance to work in Nashville with music for um, about a year and a half where she and I would travel back and forth from Maine to Nashville every six to eight weeks. And so, so music was starting, like she was going to write, to produce, to record. And so music was definitely picking up for her. And then we would travel and, and that's kind of what we did for, for Be The Change. And we had an opportunity to work with a chapter in Houston, Texas. And at that point, Braden was kind of, he was just beginning to experience his suicidal ideation. And my husband, um, he used to work at the Department of Justice and had a coworker who lost a high school son to suicide. And so we watched what that did um, to our community. And we just said, we, we did not want that to be our story. So we took that opportunity to, as a family, just go together to Texas. And so our original plan was to spend six weeks traveling in Texas, getting kids involved with, you know, using their gifts and talents to raise money to grant a wish. And then we would go out West for a few months and experience national parks and just spend time together as a family. And then hopefully go back to Maine in the fall and, and like just restart. Um, but we had their first show in Austin, Texas was like the first domino that changed our lives 
forever. Mm-hmm. Tag teaming. Your sure, turn. let's tag your Let's it. do that. Um, yeah, so we had our show in Austin. And if you know my brother, you know that he's a very shy kid and will only talk when he feels like it's necessary. And so, you know, whenever he does say something, it's important and you should listen. And it's one of the things that I love about him. Um, but when we were having that show, I normally do my spiel of like 45 minutes to an hour and the person that was actually in charge of the event asked if we could spend at least 20 more minutes talking about things that um, you struggle with whether it's social media use or bullying comparison and so we spent a little bit more extra time talking to the students that night but Brian came up to me and he was like hey I think I want to share my story for the first time and I was like okay, like let's make space for that. So he ended up doing that. He sang a song that he wrote called Conscience about his own struggles. And then at the end of the show, there was a middle school student that came up to me and she said like, I'm thankful that your brother said something because it reminds me that I'm not alone. And two weeks prior to that show, she actually attempted suicide. And we knew something like that was happening within that group um, because it was mentioned, but we actually like met her and had to conversation with her and so at that point we went to the rv after the show and we had a conversation until like 1 a.m and we were like how can we move forward because we know that this is something that we want to do like we want to encourage youth but then also we know this is something that people are struggling with like mental health is something that we want to be able to further the conversation around so how can we do that moving forward and make be the change more of a mental health advocacy nonprofit, um aside from also being that encouragement and youth empowerment side yeah and then the next day the organizer called us and was just like hey can we talk and he explained to us that from the course of that night into that morning they had just been inundated with phone calls and text messages from parents asking number one like who did you bring in and number two how how can i get help for my kid and so he just really challenged us and said look i know this was not your plan and the message that you have as far as you know, the conversation around mental health and suicide prevention is, you know, it's a universal message that these kids are getting from their parents, from their counselors, from their teachers, but the fact that it's coming from their peers and that you're using music as the vehicle, like there's something to it. And so he challenged us to stay on the road and to keep doing that. And um, yeah, and we laughed it off at first because like who who would do that? And But then we talked to our board and then the kids were like, hey, we actually really want to do this. So we had a family vote and I was the lone person out. I voted no <laughs> because I did not want to, I did not want my kids to have to like relive some of their hardest moments over and over and over again. But I lost the vote. And so we stayed on the road for a year and then all over the country, 42 states over 11 months. Uh, and then we landed in Chattanooga um, fortuitously, I guess, uh, because then COVID hit and we couldn't travel anymore. So then we were stuck in a town where we so knew- Chattanooga's it. benefit. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah, but it's weird being stuck in a town where you know absolutely no one. And our one takeaway from living on the road was that we had to build community. How do you build community in place where you absolutely know not one single soul? Yeah. That's what we've been doing for the last three years. Yeah. Yep. That's so where did you start? What was, how do you build community? I mean, Songbirds. honestly, you guys have done that it's hard to talk to someone now that doesn't know who you are mm-hmm. in some capacity it's might, crazy might be because a lot of our circles overlap but yeah. i also feel like that's not the case anymore so what, what did you guys start with and then what have you done since then 
Well, I will say that. So when we were on the road, um, up until that point, it was Sydney. Like Sydney did music. Braden played. Like our kids had started playing music when they were four. And they between the th- two of them, you guys play like six, seven, eight instruments. So, so, but Braden did not start singing until we were on the road. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so they started doing like open mics. I remember when we were in California, dad took you to that piano bar. Like, I mean, just like crazy <laughs> things that they started doing on the road, which is really weird. Cause on the road they were like 15 and 17. And yeah. so it was a very surreal, but they wanted to play. And so when we got, when we would go to a town and we knew we were going to be there for a week or so, we would always check open mics or competitions and songbirds happened to have a competition for young, for young singer songwriters. Mm-hmm. So they entered it and we didn't know if we were going to be there because it was before COVID hit. Um, But we ended up staying because of COVID and they entered it. And that was your first connection. Mm -hmm. Amber Carrington. Yeah. So for those of you who might be listening, Amber Carrington was like on season four of The Voice and made it to like the top, like the finals. Mm -hmm. Um, And so she lives locally. Her husband is a music producer at Dead Bird. Um, But yeah, so she, she was our, she was literally the first person that we met here. Yeah, it was really cool. And we say connected to songbirds because we obviously, from doing music, um, we were able to make really cool connections and really cool friendships. But then also on the nonprofit side, I got to find out that they have a Guitars for Kids program. And of course we were like, oh, music and youth tied together, want to get involved. And obviously like now looking back on it, I know that Songbirds has a great base and they have a lot of support, but still coming into it, I was like, we were talking about, it would be cool just to connect with them and see if there's any way that we could help raise money for them, but have it all be youth focused and youth led. So I ended up having a conversation with the executive director the Guitars for Kids program, Reed, and we, I was on my own Zoom call, and that was the first business meeting that I had by myself. It was just the two of us, and I was in my room. Like, I remember the whole COVID PJs type thing where I was wearing, like, my PJs underneath, and it was just in, like, this nice, like, (laughs) button-up or something during the conversation. (laughs) But I was just there, and I was like, I know, yes, (laughs) I was ready. I was like, yep, we're going to do this. It's going to be great. So we go in. We He finds out more about what we do. I share a little bit about Be The Change and how we're wanting to get connected. We don't know anyone. What does it look like to help come alongside you guys and help you guys but have it be youth-focused? And he was like, yeah, that's great. Like, let's get connected. And how much were you thinking about raising? And I was like, Ten thousand dollars sounds great. Because <laughs> the seven thousand wasn't hard enough. Right, exactly. Yeah. So, because he was thinking like twenty five hundred, and he told me I was like, no, I think we can definitely do ten thousand. I was like, let's do it. And so I ended up getting off that call, going to my parents, and they're like, well, so what's the verdict? Like, what do you guys decide? And I said that was ten thousand dollars, and they looked at me like, oh, you're kidding. Are you serious? I think what I said was, you're never allowed to do a business meeting (laughs) by yourself ever again, ever Ever again. (laughs) But it was really cool because like I had a conversation with him. Um, We recently played a show. It was in the summer. We had the opportunity to open for Steve Earle, which is really cool. Um, Massive. And it all like kind of tied he he before we went on stage for that show he like said he was just very impressed with the fact that we just continued raising the money 
because he 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 said he was like i thought you guys were just gonna quit after a couple thousand and not finish raising it but the fact that you guys continued and even it took like three years the fact that you were consistent and you just showed up and you made it work like that's what told me a lot about your character and i think that's important when it comes to the conversation of building community you have to be consistent you have to show up even when it's difficult and that's something that i can say that we're really proud of because we know so many people in the past who have started projects and then after a year, because there's not a lot of like people that want to support or help them, they kind of just like move on to the next thing. But that hasn't been us. Like we've done this since I was 14 and now I'm 21 for context. And it's been a long time coming, but we're starting to finally see something. But that's just because we've been authentic and we've just shown up. And I think that's the one thing that we can really encourage people in saying like, it, the work's difficult, if you're something you're passionate about, there's always going to be stumbling blocks, but at the same time, like continue to push forward. Um, but yeah, I don't know. So it, it sounds like you got to start with why, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh -huh. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I always <laughs> so what, uh, it's obviously evolved a lot and you've had some crazy journeys. Uh, what would you say is that like base point foundational, thing that you reflect and no matter what program you do if it's music or anything else that ties back to the purpose of what you're doing and makes it to where even after three years you kept coming back and doing the the guitar thing because most people would just like you said stop mm -hmm. ah, i didn't do it i tried <laughs> you know yeah um so what is that like bounce back truth that keeps you guys going do you want to answer first Sure, I mean, I, I've been talking a lot, but I don't know if you want no, to. No, you're good. Um, no, I think we we have so many conversations when it comes back to doing music and nonprofit work, like, because you can easily get tied up in what other people deem successful. And if you're not measured up to that success, then you feel like you're a disappointment or you have nothing to contribute or you ask yourself, like, what's the point of whatever I'm doing? But then we have conversations, like, we have to go back to what our motivation was from the very beginning. It's being able to support youth and encourage youth to see that they're not alone in what they're struggling with. And through everything that we try to do, we always go back to that message. Youth are suffering and the reality is they're dying by suicide. They're struggling with anxiety, body dysmorphia, depression, like so many things that I it never realized like a teenager could go through. And it's story after story when we ever we go into students or schools and talk to students, you know, like it's always the same thing. They want to know what it feels like to be part of a genuine community and to feel loved. Um, and so I think we go back to that being our motivation. Like we just want everything that we do to go back to these youth matter and their voices need to be heard. So how can we create a space where they can show other people what they're passionate about and talk about the things that they want to talk about um, and that they have something to bring to the table and just remind them that they're loved and they're not alone. But we try to really kind of tie everything back to that message. Yeah, it's interesting just because our why is the same, like, you know, individually and as an organization, like our why is to reduce the number of youth suicides and normalize the conversation around mental health. But I think your why personally is different than my why, you know, just because my why is as a parent, you know, and I, you know, we, we've had some hard conversations as a family, but also within, you know, the context of our work with some people that we've worked with recently, where, you know, 
the conversation around mental health in some circles is very, very difficult. And so it's not a welcome conversation. There's still a lot of stigma, our own family story. Um, there was a lot of church trauma around our story. Um, and we thought we were unique in that. Um, you know, and even looking back, like hoping that we were unique because what we experienced was very traumatic in our, in our church community. But as we lived on the road and even as we're here in Chattanooga, like we're not alone in that. And so, so like really like having hard conversations in certain spaces, but like I watch my kids enter into these hard conversations sometimes on a weekly basis or daily basis. And so, um, you know, I had to have a really hard conversation at a meeting last week with the, with a, uh, organization that we were working with and just kind of saying like, like we come in here to help you, but it has to be a safe space for us too. And so like, I'm constantly just making sure and trying to check on them to make sure that they're that they're okay and that they feel that they're using their gifts and talents in a, in a really great way, but that they're also being taken care of because I think we need to do a better job just as a community of looking out for one another um, in those spaces because it's great to talk about it, but also like we need to give ourselves time to away from all of it and to, to heal from our own trauma too and so like my why is can we normalize the conversation so that families who have experienced the things that we've experienced um that they know how to heal and that they know how to walk walk through trauma and so and we thankfully just have some really great people in our lives that remind us that hold us accountable to that and help us do that <clears throat> Well, there you go. That's the end of the show. Thanks for coming. No. Uh, <laughs> man, that's hey, it's heavy stuff. You guys never cease to amaze me and impress me, and even like the musical side and the nonprofit side, and just y'all are nice. Like I don't know, y'all are great. Um, so it's 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 really cool to see people that genuinely care about people, and like you could never meet someone and still care about them. And then when you meet them, you're like, hey, there's this you know, you deserve a community. And that's really neat. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's why we've clicked so well is because I have a similar um, belief, I guess. But uh, so what kind of have you found to be, uh, and this will kind of end our origin story section, but what have you found to be the most productive or effective means of creating community? Like, what have you done that pretty much every time has yielded, I know this is very like metrics oriented and I don't like that. So what makes people feel good the most? <laughs> like what's, what is that? I'm, okay, yeah, I'm curious what you, I think, I don't know what you would say. I don't know what you would say. You go first. <laughs> I always go first. I know, yeah. Um, I would say <laughs> we, whenever we work with someone, whether it's music or nonprofit, we always like to sit down with them first and either have them over for dinner, grab coffee with them, just because we're very relationally driven. Always, without exception. Always, like there's never an exception. Never. We're always like, if we're gonna work with you, if you're gonna be our videographer, if you're gonna come to a concert for a cause and help with the music on that, if you're gonna be a producer, like we need to have community and like conversation with you over food or something like that, because we want you to be a friend. Like we want to be able to talk about these things and it, whether it's mental health or just like social issues, like you name it, like we're just like 
building those friendships. So it doesn't matter if it is either music, nonprofit, whoever you are, stranger, like if you're gonna work with us or be a part of what we're doing, we want to be able to just call you friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it's, I'm pretty excited about that. <laughs> yeah, no, and I think I think that that's what I was gonna say too, yeah. is that we have an open door policy mm-hmm. um, that people take very literally. <laughs> um, and it's great, like for the last three weekends, um, our videographer from our very first video shoot that we haven't worked with professionally in like a year, he, he and his girlfriend came over for dinner uh, like three weeks ago. And then for the next, we have an open, like open house on Mondays. So from like seven to nine, we like just invite the musicians into the community or really whomever just to kind of come in. We usually have dessert and it's just like an open house. And, um, and for like the last three weeks, he's like texted on Monday, can I come over? Can I come over? You know, and, and we're like, yes, please, like come over. Like we want our house to be that, and we have such great conversations. Like some, it's you know, you name it, we'll talk about it, and it's you know, no judgment zone, and it's some of the beautiful, most beautiful friendships that we've had have been exhibited on Monday nights, and yeah, I think that that's, I think being present in every place that we are, like whether it's an open mic or a meeting if at Becaffeinated, like we want people to feel like they're invited into the space to talk to us and we always want to make new friends. And so, and it's, it's genuine. It's Mm -hmm. not like, what can you do for me? It's like, Hey, what's your story? And you know, let's, let's be friends. And I think that's a huge shift for us that is really, really important. And I know we've all experienced that firsthand and even the house thing, like my wife and I went over to y'all's house and it was awesome. Um, and I think it's unique and I wish it wasn't as unique as it is. Like, uh, that's one of my funny lines about be caffeinated is people are, I'm always like, I don't want our, the way we treat people to be like an exception. Like I oh, want yes. it to be the normal, uh, scenario. Like, um, so I, I really like that and that's super cool. Um, yeah, you guys are doing cool stuff. So uh, pass it on to Dylan over here. Sweet. So next is section two, which is called superpowers. We're going to go into your unique value propositions or UVPs of your business. So the first bullet here is what individually, so answer this individually, what's your superpower as a person? Go. At the same time, both. both. At the same time, yeah. Just kidding. Do you know yours? Um, probably. It's the first thing that just coming to me. All right, what was yours? I'm still thinking of mine, so give me time. I <laughs> am um, very empathetic. I think <laughs> it depends. I, I don't know if you've already asked this on here before, but like uh, the whole superpower kryptonite type situation, I feel like it can be both, um, especially if you're in a line of work where it's mental health based and focused uh, because you will take on everything that people tell you and then feel like if I'm not able to help or fix it in any situation, then am I actually helping or solving the problem? Uh, So I feel like take that with what you will, leave that out there. You can, I still need to think, but. I I feel that too. (laughs) I, I am, Jazz and I are both super empathetic and it's funny because Jasmine comes off as the most apathetic person possible. Um, sometimes I love you, babe. Uh, but uh, it's because she's so empathetic that she sometimes has to resort to apathy in order to be able to like mm-hmm. keep going. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
and I haven't developed apathy yet. I'm working on it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, especially as a business owner with our employees, like that's been my biggest weakness. It's also a strength, but is like being too empathetic. And I figured out that sometimes the most empathetic approach isn't the nicest approach, which I got confused. And that's not necessarily the same for like mental health community building. Mm -hmm. uh, but like with our employees, uh, sometimes it is more empathetic to be hard on them and to show them the tough love and to hold them accountable for their actions um, rather than just say, ah, it's fine, you messed up, but whatever, or yeah. you're late for the third time this week, ah, it happens, you know, like mm -hmm. actually writing them up and working through it with them. Um, and I feel like that's super uh, similar to kind of the nonprofit side of things where um, if you don't take care of yourself first, mm -hmm. you can't pour into other people, you can't mm -hmm. take those things on and um, it gets, yeah, I, I imagine it's difficult. Is there a trick or like something that you do when you feel that kind of boiling point? I'm just curious. I know. <laughs> can I answer that question for her? Yeah, honestly, <laughs> can you? Um, she curls up in bed and watches, binge watches New Girl. Mm. <laughs> All right. Are you a Nick fan? I love Nick. Yeah, he's great. He's great. I, I understand him <laughs> on a certain level. <laughs> Not on everything, not on everything, <laughs> but on a certain level. Yes, no, I, yeah. It's not all the time. No, it's not. Sometimes it's a good period drama. Yeah, that's true too. <laughs> I'm not familiar with New Girl. Never seen it. <gasps> okay, I just watched it for the first time. Yeah. I, it's definitely recommended. Okay. It's I, I love Day it. Chanel sitcom. Oh, we're gotcha. Yeah. Okay. I mean, the thing is like, that's I think the first comfort TV show that I've actually ever watched because I'm normally I would watch like Criminal Minds or something. Uh, very comfort, yeah. that's, that's Jasmine's comfort show. I just, it's, I understand Jasmine on a certain level. Yeah. Um, no, Probably it's, don't want to. but I mean, that was like the first show that I actually got into that I was like, oh no, if I'm having a really bad day. Are you a Reed it. Spencer simp? Spencer Reed? Spen oh, I love, okay, so, yeah. yes, Jasmine's I like, love Spencer. So I <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I don't need Morgan. I want more of Spencer Reed. I agree. Oh my gosh. I, yep, I agree. Get Hands there, down, agree. Sydney was so, Sydney was so obsessed with it though, that like she grabbed Jamie's criminal law book from law school and started reading it. Like that's how over the top she was about it. So there you go. Sorry, oh, yeah. just called you. These are things that people don't need to know about me. <laughs> I disagree. <laughs> All right. Um, I would say, I think my, I mean, it's not really much of a superhero power, but like I'm definitely a visionary. Mm. And especially when it comes to community organizing. So like I can just see a bigger picture and how to bring people together in order to accomplish a goal for the community. So now getting the pieces in play and paying for that, not necessarily my superpower, <laughs> but but I'm very good at seeing something five, six, ten steps down the road and working towards that, I would mm -hmm. say. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. Cool. Um, and, and also like going back to empathy. So it's super interesting how like effective that can be in like a work environment or just in community building. Um, at, at my day job at Vayner, we have a position called chief heart officer. 
And um, it's this woman who's incredible and I love her dearly, but um, she, her job is just to listen to people um, just about their feelings and about their struggles. And then she's like, okay, then how can I help? And there's 1500 people in our organization and she'll like take time and talk to every single one of us. Um, Wait, so there's only one of the, her? Yes, there's one chief heart officer. <laughs> she understands, she's like everyone's like work mom. Wow. Um, but that's her job. Wow. And she like can like uh, bring like those like feelings and stuff to like the like C-suite so they can say like these are the changes that need to be made or like recommendations. Oh my God, can we send her a gift? Probably, I can, uh, Claude Silver. Claude Silver. Yeah. Okay, okay, you yeah. need to send, send, we're gonna send her a beat mm-hmm. change shirt yep. and a nice little letter mm-hmm. because those are like the people that make the world better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like for real. But yeah. like the, the entire organization is built on empathy and just like understanding the employees because uh, like Gary, the CEO, like really believes that having like happy employees that feel loved and like cared for in the workplace are more productive and they're going to stick around longer. Um, And it's not like everyone's just like kind of like a pawn in like a game as much Mm -hmm. as it can sometimes feel like. But um, once you really sit down, like listen to like them, it's like, okay, these people actually care about me. And it's really nice. Yes. Um, And just like in communities and in general, that's really nice and it's super needed. Um, Like as someone who also struggles with like mental health stuff, um, I mean, just like having community has always been incredible for me and just like having like friends and mm-hmm. like, uh, Michael and Chris and Nate, um, has just been uh, like life changing. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's super great. So yeah. yeah, super awesome. Um, next up is what, um, so as a business as a whole, what are some unique value propositions that, or what makes you guys unique and being able to succeed, um, as be the change? I'll go first. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I think so from the very beginning. So we're not, you know, we're from Maine. Like I remember 2017, like that's when we, we really started doing things in our basement, came up with the logo. We started working with people cause you know, branding, marketing people that we knew, like, because we were like, okay, if we're going to do this. We want to do it well. How do we set ourselves up for success? And from that moment until now, the advice has always been the same and we've never taken it. And, and, it, and it's great business advice. And, you know, know your niche, be the best at it and just stay in your lane. And, and it's great. And our lives would be so much easier if we did that. But it's just not what we're called to. Because when we, t- when we talk about the conversation around mental health and like what we learned when we lived on the road and talking to youth, young adults, parents was, you know, the number one thing that would most positively impact their mental health was real community. And so, so then we just realized, okay, like this is a holistic problem. There's no way that we can be good at all of these things. So we have to focus on creating community and it, there are a lot of different facets to creating community. And so like, I think what we have done really, really well is not taking people's advice, <laughs> like uh, you know, and like really stay in the course because we know, like we know the long game, you know, and 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 a lot of the reason that people tell us that we need to pick one thing and do it well is like because you you want to stay around forever, and like our mindset is it would be great if in five ten years be the change wasn't needed. 
you know, that's, that's what nonprofits are supposed to do is work right. themselves out of existence. Right. Yeah. And so like, and so that, that's really, you know, our goal is, is like to be such a force in our community and every, have everyone be so connected. Like everything seems not, not just in Chattanooga, like every place that we've been, everything's siloed, everything's segregated, everything, everyone has, has their lane and they stay in it and they don't really go into another lane unless they need something. And so like what we have said is like, whether you realize it or not, we all need one another. And if we help elevate one another, we all get elevated together. And so like, so we really have just taken this to the nth degree with what we do. And so we just kind of create the space and we bring those people that know their business and know what they're doing into our sphere so that we can work together to create, I say a tapestry, like we each have a string and we're carrying those strings. And the only way we create a net is if we interweave those strings together. And so that's, that's what we are good at. And, and it's just funny because like, even like with funding sources and meeting for grants, like the, the feedback we always get is like, we're just not sure what to do with you guys. And I, like I'll, I've taken as a compliment. I love that you don't know what to do with us, mm -hmm. but they love to watch us and they want to get involved, but like, I'm just not sure. That's and, good. and y'all try to be the, the meeting place of three types of organizations, right? Business, nonprofit and artists. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I think that's super unique and something that I don't see anywhere else really. Um, and the other thing that's crazy and as a board member, it's still frustrating, but you don't take money for yourselves when sometimes you should, mm -hmm. but when you do fundraisers, nine times out of 10, it's for another nonprofit, mm -hmm. which I've also never really seen in a nonprofit. You have places like the community foundation whose purpose is to like funnel money to nonprofits, mm -hmm. but they're not really raising funds for other ones. They raise it for themselves and then maybe give it out sometimes. But like you guys, this whole business model, give whole it away model is to raise money for other nonprofits, <laughs> which is amazing and is also terrible business advice. Absolutely. But I think that's why it's working is because you guys are staying true to yourself mm -hmm. and you're being authentic and genuine and doing what's you believe is right, which yes. once people sip the Kool-Aid, they, also agree typically so it's radical generosity i mean that yeah. I mean, truly that's what i we, love that radical generosity yeah unreasonable generosity yeah. Yeah. yeah i mean it's it's always been that way from yeah. raising the kids with their birthdays and you know our christmases before we moved here our christmases were always the same Our we spent time in a refugee shelter Christmas morning fixing breakfast and we would then take leftovers to the homeless and like that was our Christmas morning it wasn't but the thing is like we didn't just do it just to do it like yeah. it was something like because we were raised in that and because it was instilled in us so much it just became like a part of our life and like it's who we are as humans and it, honestly when people are like yeah how did you get to that point or how we're like how do I raise like my kids like people ask you like how do I raise my kids and that I'm like you just really have to just show up and be an example of how to like love people well and sometimes that's selfless and radical generosity <laughs> but and it takes work it's a lot of work it's but at the same work. time like it's not a job to us anymore even though it is like it's, it's a mindset it's a mindset yeah it's and a lifestyle yeah, choice exactly yep. Jasmine and I love when parents get frustrated that the kids won't eat vegetables <laughs> but the parents don't eat vegetables yeah. And I feel like yeah. that's the perfect representation of yes. it. It's not yeah. that you guys are teaching them to do it necessarily. Mm -hmm. It's you guys are doing it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so right. of course they're doing it. Like it's just the example. So yep. Yeah. If you eat vegetables and it's not gross or weird to eat vegetables. Right. Because yes. it's just what you do. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Hand it off to you, Chris. All right. 
so let's talk about now. So we've talked about how empathy was your strength. Now, how is it your weakness? Your kryptonite. And then we'll move on to yours. Um, I, yeah, I think going back to how I will take everything on my shoulder and feel like I need to solve all the problems. Mm-hmm. And if I'm not doing that, then I feel like, what's the point? And this can get really sad and dark really fast. But I mean, I'll be really honest. I'm not afraid to tell people that there are days when I'm just like, need to just be in my bed and I sob. And I'm just like, I, it's hard. This, this work is hard, but at the same time, like I rather be super loving and empathetic than not be at all. Just because it's like, I think when you are empathetic and you see where people have been, you understand, you listen to them then so much like grace for yourself and for other people so much patience is grown from that and i think in order to like be a good leader you have to learn how to be kind in those scenarios and to see people in those scenarios so it can be really difficult at times um to navigate all of that in my own head especially because i'm an introvert and i love to be able to spend time being super introspective and ask myself like why do I feel this way and I think at the end of the day like that's a really good habit to get into and I journal a lot but it's also super draining it's mentally draining and physically draining and exhausting and there are days where I will be in my bed and sometimes I just can't get up physically and at the same time it's like I rather be super loving and empathetic but it always goes back to like that back and forth kind of pull and tug I will say too, there are specific moments in our journey that like were pivot points for us. And one of them in this situation was when we got back from Eleuthera for the first time. So we went on a family missions trip back in 2017, I think it was. And we came back and, you know, that was the first time where our kids just had seen abject poverty up close and personal and it profoundly affected Sydney. And we came back home and I just remember her talking to her friends and like, it, you know, it was, it was on the heels of our first wish with make a wish for her birthday. And, you know, the, the wheels were already turning. Like how, is there a way that we can take what we did for Make-A-Wish and like help other kids around the world. And, you know, and, but it was just really funny because as Sydney was trying to articulate to her friends, all the things that they, she had seen and just like the fact that there's such a huge disparity between how much we have in this country and it, yet also how self-centered and absorbed we are with our own problems. And, and we live in like, we call it echo chambers or epistemic bubbles where, you're you just know what you know and until you step out into a different worldview and experience other people's lives and, and see how they live that you're you don't know any better and so like I saw then like she was so passionate about wanting to get her friends to understand what was going on in other places and like that's the first time that I saw I was like okay like you, you are empathetic to the point where like you want other people to understand and like it's an advocate's heart, you know? Like, I think that's the first time that I saw the DNA of advocacy in you at 15, so. When uh, I felt the same way when I went to China, it was, it's the stupidest reason, 
but I got back and I went to the movie theater and I was like, they don't have extra large sodas there because they don't really have sodas there because they don't really drink soda. And then it just led me down this entire like thing where I was like, and I obviously, I spent about a month there. So I was, it was like, I was very in the culture there. And I came back and I was like, there's so many different things. And the first thing I got was a pizza and a glass of milk when I came back. Like my parents had that waiting for me because that's what I needed. Mm-hmm. But I was like, just that that distinction of like, like the McDonald's or the Oreos or the extra large soda where it's like, everyone does it here, you know? But there it was quite, none of that was normal at all. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them had never even either thought about or considered or knew that existed. Um, And the city I was in was a small Chinese city and was larger than most major American cities. Um, But it was a small Chinese city. And then just putting that into context and like perspective, I was like, oh my gosh, we're actually the minority when you think about it that way. And that super changed my kind of world perspective. And it was, very crazy to think about. And I was lucky growing up, my parents kind of valued traveling a lot. Um, it helps that my mom's a geography professor, so she obviously cares. And um, But so I was very well-traveled for how young I was. And that is probably one of the best things that could have happened is because exactly like you said, it just opens up your, your mindset and your horizons and perspective. And you realize that your little tiny problems, while they matter to you, it's not the end all be all and you'll probably be okay. Now that's not to say you should like, they don't matter. Your feelings matter. Emotions matter. But like, if I'm worrying about if my girlfriend's texting me back, that person's maybe worrying about if they're going to be able to eat their next meal or all these, you know, real quote, real problems. So, um, that's fascinating. Uh, also, did you know Jasmine's been to Eleuthera? No, she did did a mission. I think it was actually maybe 2017. Oh, that's weird. It's very weird. Yeah. That's really weird. It was also a pivot point for her. So y'all should talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. What in the world? <laughs> Who knew? And you have crazy. the same birthday to us. I know. It's weird. It's, um, <laughs> yeah. That's funky. Um, <laughs> what's your kryptonite, Deirdre? Mm. Um, I would say, I feel like I'm copying out here, but I, um, I don't rest. Like that is, I worry about everyone and I would, especially in my family and like making sure everyone's okay. And there's only like, it's, well, we just hired um, a part-time person to help with fundraising, but it's just Sydney and I doing Be The Change. So, um, so I, you know, a lot of the outreach is me, a lot of meeting with people is me, organizational things are me. And so I don't rest well at all. Um, so that's definitely my kryptonite. And even when you went on vacation, you came back earlier than mm. you were supposed to. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I did not pick up the computer when I was on vacation. True. Yeah, we were proud of you for that. Thank you. Appreciate that. <laughs> but yes, you're right. I did not take the whole time off, but, but yeah, so that's kind of, but I'm trying to be better about that. So your calendar proves that. Yeah, it does. Doesn't it? Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I am working. Um, so on what you said, I just want to touch on it real quick. So I have a similar mindset of I'd rather be empathetic and wrong than unempathetic and right. Mm. Um, And (laughs) this is a stupid example too, but when I was in high school, I was on the basketball team. And if you haven't uh, seen me, uh, I'm not a basketball build. Um, (laughs) But uh, I was really good at my position. I was the um, bench warmer. 
Um, if you haven't heard of that, it's where you cheer on your teammates. So, uh, but no, in practice every every day, our coach had this exercise that he'd do sometimes where um, he so it was a free throw thing, and the person would do free throws, and you would stand on either one side of the the line or the other side if you thought he was going to make it or miss it, and if you said he was going to make it and he missed it, then you had to run and vice versa. So if you were wrong, you had to run. If you were right, you didn't. Mm. And I thought it was really bad. Like, I didn't like it. It was, I mean, I understand the competition, but I refused to be in the he would miss it side. Mm-hmm. That was the only one that would stay over there, no matter what. Yeah. Even if it was the worst player on the team or me, whatever. Um, I would, because I'd rather be on the side that said they would make it and be wrong Mm. than the other side and i got mm. like the christian character is like oh this is why I'm like, yeah that's stupid i don't i don't believe in you know the rewarding people for being good people mm-hmm. sort of thing mm-hmm. but um i just think that's a much better thing for people to do and mm-hmm. we've had a ton of we've been burned a bunch and we've talked about it before on that podcast by some people where we've put a lot of trust in people both employee wise and um relational wise and they've burned us and our the, the natural instinct is to try and kind of shell up and not give those opportunities to people in the future because you don't want to be hurt again. But we kind of concluded that we'd rather give everyone that opportunity and be wrong and us burned than not give them that opportunity preemptively. So mm-hmm. that's, we, that's really good. We know nothing about that. <laughs> no, we know <laughs> nothing about that. No, we know a lot about that too. And it, and it ends up with a lot of pain and oh, yeah. tears, but yes. I think I sleep better because of that. I think that's, I would not yeah, be it. able mm-hmm. to function if I stopped believing in the good of people. Mm-hmm. That yes. would be worse. Yeah, yeah. So. Cheers to that. I agree. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> Absolutely. 100%. Yep. So what's the kryptonite of the nonprofit? What is Be the Changes kryptonite? Money? <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's, that's yep. You that's, can donate yep. at. No, I, I honestly, <laughs> our Venmo is. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think that, I mean, organizationally, I don't feel like we do. Like, it's so, and I think it's just because our why is so personal. Um, we we got, again, we got some really, like, it was intended to be really good advice about like when we became a nonprofit. So when we were in Maine, uh, we were something called an LC3. So they don't have that distinction here in Tennessee. So in, in Maine, it's a, it's a hybrid between an LLC and a, a not-for-profit. And so... 501c3 yeah and so it is a low profit essentially it's an organization that has some type of charitable good for the community they don't have that here and so we had to make a decision about where we going to be an llc or where we going to be a 501c3 and so sydney was like i want to be a nonprofit. So then we had to, like we met the great guy at SCORE who walked us through the whole process, which was amazing. That was a huge lifesaver for us. But then like we started getting advice about, well, now you're a nonprofit. It's independent of who you are as a family. And so this nonprofit can exist if if your family's no longer tied to it. And so you have to create an entity for the nonprofit away from you. And 
And it was, you know, well-meaning advice, but as soon as we take our family story out of the nonprofit, it loses so much. It's the soul. It is. Yeah. It really is. And, and you know, I, I don't think we're not unique in how we think and how we live our lives. There are a lot of other people who live their lives the way that we live our lives, but they just don't have nonprofits or, you know, and, and so like we, we just believe passionately in finding those people and connecting those people because those are our people. And so like, I, you know, I think a lot of people would look from the outside and say, well, here's your kryptonite. Your kryptonite is you do too much or your kryptonite is that you're spread too thin or, you know, the kryptonite is that you don't focus in certain areas. And like, that's not our kryptonite, it's our strength. And it, it but it also does not make sense to the, conven the conventions of the business community or the nonprofit community. And like, we just do things differently. So like, I don't, our, our kryptonite is that we don't have enough hours in the day. You know, like I, like, I don't like, I honestly, we don't have money. That's not really a, a kryptonite though, but it's just, it's a limiting factor in our potential growth. Like, you know, like, Here's it, the yeah. Business speak. yeah so, <laughs> but it's not our kryptonite. If anything, like we just say all the time, like it's, it's our why, because if we if we had someone give us a million dollars right now, what would we do with it? Like if someone asked us that the other day, and and I honestly, you know, six months ago, I would have said we're not in a place like if someone gave us a million dollars because we we're still anchor like we're we're finding our anchor to community and like if this was about us and what we're doing like that that money would not be helpful but once we're anchored to community once we have objectives and visions about how we want to bring the community together then having you know an influx of money we know what we're going to do with it and so to have a million dollars now would i think honestly get in the way of of what is being built but that's not to say you know we just did our operating budgets, a hundred thousand dollars. Like let's work with that. You know, times to growth from last year. It is. Yeah. I mean, it's quadrupled from where we were when we got here. And so like, it's there's, yeah, there's a lot of potential here, but yeah, we don't want money for money's sake. Like we want relationships and, and opportunity and we trust that the money will come when, when it's supposed to. And we talked about this on one of our more recent episodes, but uh, the way we're operating Becaffeinated is similar, where we're trying to build out a really wide foundation so that when we, you know, maybe not have a check written for a million dollars, but start making, you know, at least some money, we can build on that really wide foundation build up. So we're in the process of finding the key players and the people that we want on our long-term team so that when we're ready to kind of activate those, we can just start building up. Because um, I think of like a Jenga tower, yes. how, you know, the skinny one is wobbly, but if you put it on its side and then started building up like that, it would go a lot higher. Um, it takes longer and it's more difficult, but if you're actually worried about, you know, long-term effective change and not about just short-term financial bottom dollar, that's, I think the correct way to do it. Yeah. It gets into the infinite game with Simon's in it, you know, but. Yeah, and mm -hmm. also I would say like, you know, networking, anyone who knows me knows I hate the word networking. Um, yeah, but you had a really good alteration of it. What was your, you came up with a, a funny change of it is like 
I don't know. Community. <laughs> oh, well, no. Relationship building. Or yeah, something. community building. Like, I, I'm for community yeah. building, but I think there's a negative connotation with networking. And that's not to say, like, there's a benefit to networking. But I think the negative connotation so many people have with networking, it's like, go into this space, spam people with business cards, and then find out who can help you. And like, that's not community building, that's network. Like that's like just looking at your objectives and what do you need to meet your objectives and finding people in the community that will help you. Community building is saying, hey, this is a like-minded person. Let's talk and let's figure out if there's a way that we can work together to do something. That can also happen in networking rooms and things like that. But really community building is, is what we are all about and so like it that is imperative to the mental health conversation like it's to this thriving creating a, a community that thrives we have to like really focus on building community not just with like-minded people but with all people in the community so i think that that's definitely a place too where like we're different in our objectives sometimes what are the next steps for be the change <laughs> we have so many different projects that we're working on. <laughs> um, maybe but macro, hmm? maybe macro. Like it doesn't have to be. Yeah. As what's the long term goal? Long term goal. Um, to encourage as many people as we can to build authentic community by empowering more youth, but not just empowering them, giving them opportunities to be leaders in their communities and what they're passionate about. Um, and then also furthering the mental health conversation. Yeah, I would say like that our number one objective is to encourage youth towards positive mental health by educating, I mean, it's our mission statement, by yeah. educating, equipping, and empower them to use their gifts and talents to advocate for their community. And so we're, it's almost full circle. Like we're literally going back to our roots. Um, like one of our goals is to create community initiatives, which we will be starting um, in April uh, with our partnership with Be Caffeinated that uh, with the bagel of change that they are rolling out, that we are gonna tie in community initiatives every quarter where we really focus on, you know, whether it's parents, community leaders, or youth in the community to pick a different topic that affects our community. So given our social circles and the businesses that we work with, the one topic that keeps coming up over and over and over again is food insecurity. So that's where we're gonna, we were gonna focus our first quarter on that, but I think we've decided we're gonna spend the whole, like the rest of 2023 focused on that. And so we are gonna be rolling out our first community initiative, which is about using you know the talents of kids in our community, educating them about food insecurity and allowing them to use their gifts and talents to educate their circle of influence. So grandma, grandpa, neighbors, teachers, aunts, uncles, teach them what they're learning about our community and then helping them to raise money to build put community fridges in our communities. And so we're you know, planning to work with Chattanooga uh, Community Fridge and help right here to put in a couple of community fridges. That's our first thing. And so baby steps, like, you know, it really is baby steps, but really creating the opportunity to for youth 
to be engaged in their community and help their community. So that's definitely the big one. Um, but also music and doing concert for a cause. Like we used to do a monthly concert, but now because we have built relationships, we're still doing our plans is always to do 10 to 12 concerts a year. But instead of doing one a month, we're going to do two like concert series. So we always have our big one at Christmas where we, you know, get the community to gather together to do donations for um, three nonprofits that we work with that work with youth um, in May, June, we'll do the same thing, but we'll, it'll be about food insecurity. So really partnering with nonprofits in the area that provide lunches for, for kids or, you know, their families over the summer when, you know, a lot of, a lot of lunches, a lot of kids, the only meals that they get are during the school year of breakfast and lunch. And so like we want to find those nonprofits and, and help them by getting the community together and supporting them. And so like really focusing on that is a huge part of what we do too. And then we have the after school initiative, which that's probably the big one this year. We did it in partnership with Northside neighborhood house. We ran an after school program at Red Bank high school and Sai Daisy middle school. Do you want, that's your, that's your, baby do you want to talk about it <laughs> well we invited 17 local artists from chattanooga that we've had the pleasure of meeting over the last three years of being here and they shared their art with the students gave them the opportunity to like actually play around with the art talk about how they monetize it how they cope with their mental health through it and then we were there for 17 weeks for Red Bank High School and 10 weeks in Saudi Daisy Middle School. But the culmination of that is having an art auction. And that art auction, all the money raised from that is going to go towards splitting it half and half. Half of that's going to go to Red Bank art teachers to buy school supplies, art supplies, and the other is going to go towards building scholarships for students in underserved communities. So they have the opportunity to go to expensive music camps or take really cool art classes that they wouldn't have been able to otherwise. But a lot of it is just, even in that, we're giving them opportunity in order to like experience what art can do for your mental health, but then also if it's something that they're really passionate about, give them opportunities to kind of see that. Yeah, we'll be expanding it next year. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, this year it was every week we brought in an artist and they talked about their health, their how they process their mental health and how they monetized the entrepreneurial side of it. And like what we have said that, especially for a lot of the kids that we work with that aren't traditional, like they're not college bound necessarily. Like, how can we encourage them and help them to? take an entrepreneurial path, whether it's with their art or with something else. And so we are going to be expanding the program at the high school, at Red Bank High School, where we're going to have a, a component of art followed with a component of business, like a business 101 and, and marketing 101, and and hopefully work with some other organizations in the community to, at the end of that, have like a Shark Tank-esque project. Um, yeah, so it's, again, and what's, what's great is like we're working with other organizations, other people in the community. There's a great guy um, named Nate Doss, who runs the Mecca out um, in the Brainerd area. And so he has just this great business where he really creates a platform for the black community and entrepreneurs. And so we want to, we want him to be a part of this conversation. And we had, Chris and I had a meeting with him last week and, and like, we really, we want to do the hard work of bringing the community together. And so, um, and, you know, we're doing it with youth because they seem to be all geared for it. So that's yep. that's where we're focusing our energy. Yes. Where can people find you and also how can people help? <laughs> Instagram. <laughs> 
We have our website, Instagram. They're both the same thing. The handle is be the change. YI. We do everything through Instagram. That's the only social media that we use just because 40% of bullying happens on that one platform. So we're pretty intentional when it comes to showing up on Instagram, talking about what we're doing, trying to be as encouraging as possible, and also being able to show where other people can like help, whether that's giving donations or being volunteers for different events that we have coming up. Um, the best way to reach out and find out how they can help when it comes to that stuff is through Instagram, DMing us. Um, but also like giving would definitely be a plus. <laughs> yes. We'll not say no to that. No, we if won't. you have anything to give, even if it's five bucks, we will take it. <laughs> <laughs> and we usually have a caveat too, like reach out. Cause we like to, like, even financial givers, we like to meet with them yes. for coffee and talk too. We, we don't just want your money. No. <laughs> Get involved with what we're doing. Yes. Please. Yes. <laughs> Incredible. Um, and, and just before we go into rapid fire, is there anything that we haven't talked about that you really want listeners and viewers to know? What's the name of your band? Ah, <laughs> In the company of wolves. That's and what kind of music is it? Uh, singer songwriter, indie folk, indie rock type vibe. We 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 try not to confine ourselves into yeah. just one genre. Sure. We want to experiment. I can't wait for the screamos. Oh yeah, maybe uh, not that <laughs> or country. Yeah. But everything else, maybe. My dad uh, sent Jasmine a country screamo song. <gasps> it's as bad as it sounds. Oh my god! Um, <laughs> have you guys heard the Joker rap? What? I'll have to show you guys. Later. Oh my god! <laughs> so, so my friend Tam showed me last night, and I just thought of that with country yeah. screamo. I was like, "That's weird." And I was like, "Oh, I just remembered something else weird." <laughs> but Sydney, what's your favorite instrument to play? Um, right now, it's probably guitar. I have always loved the guitar. I feel like for my brother, it's more piano. Um, piano was the first instrument that we both learned how to play. But as soon as I picked up guitar, I was like, oh, there's something special about just an acoustic in your vocals. And it just is very homey. And yeah, it just gives you a sense of like, for me, it's peace, which is what I want to be able to feel through creating music and playing music. But there's nothing like it. I just love it so much. Deirdre, are there any musical instruments you play? Mm, I mean, I used to play the piano, so I think that's... And sing. And, yeah. So. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Will yeah. you sample for us right now? No, yeah. I will not. <laughs> it could be the introduction. Absolutely <laughs> not. <laughs> create a jingle. For you. No. That's how Cindy got into it. She used to go with me. To that's true, I did. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I used to Michael lead can do a really good beat. Yeah, but he can. Look at his face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Before like, we move on to rapid fire, <laughs> I would like to spend 60 seconds of just appreciating Brayden. Mm. I just want us to talk about our favorite things about him real quick. I oh, love that. that. So Brayden, um, <laughs> I love beating you at pickleball. Um, but I love playing pickleball with you. I love your piano skills and oh. your guitar skills. Oh. What about you guys? There's so many things. It's honestly, so like, hard. I it's like so hard because honestly, like, he is the best. I get frustrated with him sometimes because obviously <laughs> you get frustrated brother. with your right. brother. Yeah. Like, he's a sibling. But at the same time, like, I am so thankful to call him my brother and then I get to do music in life with him just because he's so authentic 
he comes into spaces with such a genuine heart and in a world where it's dominated by white straight males he is someone that like leads the way in conversation he picked up one of my books that I own called Hood Feminism. And he started reading that because he wants to educate himself on certain issues and be able to talk about those things in open spaces and conversation. And he's not afraid to like get things wrong. He's super humble. Like he's just like one of the kindest people that you will ever meet. And he's just like unapologetic when it comes to that. Like I just, yeah. he's so loving. Like so kid, loving. Like he, <laughs> at 18, he doesn't think twice about hugging his mom. No. And he'll come up to place. me and yeah. he'll be like hey I can see that you're having a really bad day yep. I just want to check in on you and he gives me a hug and he's like yep. let me know if you just want to talk like I'm here for you we're in this together and I'm like god why can't there be more people like yeah. Brayden yeah. we have something we call it a 20 second hug so there's yeah. there's like this study that if you have yeah, like yeah. If you hold someone for 20 seconds it's a release of oxytocin and so max them out yeah like the minimum yeah yeah and so like he, he he'll go up to us and be like do you need a 20 second hug yep you know and it's it. just this and he's just the sweetest guy like yep. really genuinely really? genuinely yeah what about you dylan yeah Braden and me are both really quiet guys <laughs> But the conversation I, I do have with him are really like nice and really genuine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, he's just always like super happy all the time. It seems like he you always know, like a smile on his face. I enjoy our talks that we have. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, I love Braden. Should we yeah. start a Braden fan club? We should. Uh, we should. <laughs> we should. What about you, Mike? <laughs> Mike on the mic. Hi, Braden. I would echo what everyone else is saying for sure. Super nice. Super genuine. And I love, I'm, I've always been someone that loves really shy, introverted people because I, I can just tell there's so much more depth under there than other people think. And I found that to be true with you as we've talked about music and the things you want to do and all that. And that makes me really happy. So I don't know. I just love your passion for whatever you have going on. And I think that's super dope. Mm-hmm. Mm, I love that. Let's we love you, that. Brayden. Yes, we do. We do. <laughs> and now rapid fire. I want you guys to spend 20 to 30 seconds max okay. answering these questions. Okay. And I want both of you to answer. Okay. First, what's your favorite book? Sydney first, then Deirdre. I can go first. Okay. okay Deirdre uh, first, then Sydney. Dare to Lead by Brene Brown. Brene Brown. Oh. Oh, if we're doing Brene Brown, I love Braving the Wilderness. Yeah. That really got me out of a rough spot. Excellent. Yeah. We love some brown in here. Oh, yeah. Who was your biggest influence growing up and why? My mom. <sighs> Blake was on here and his was Willie Nelson. Wow, Blake. <laughs> That's incredible. He loves Willie Nelson. Really? No yes. way. You I just learned something about episode. Blake. It's okay. amazing. He is, yeah. Yeah. Um, cop out answer, mom. What's yours? Cop out. It's not a cop out answer. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um... Honestly, I really, I don't know. I don't know that I... What about in the last 10 years? In the last 10 years. Um, I have a lot of respect for Michelle Obama mm. Mm. for a lot of reasons. Um, and that that's someone like I was raised in a Republican culture. I was a Republican for a very, very long time. Um, I've been an independent for a very, very long time, so like six, seven years. Um, but I have a lot of respect for her as a mom, as a woman of color, as a woman in general. Like she, um, 
yeah, she has definitely opened my eyes to a lot of things and I appreciate her for who she is. I feel like that's appropriate for this food insecurity journey we're about yeah. to go on. Like, yeah. cause that's, that was her big, big yeah. and exercise. So. Absolutely. Uh, what's your favorite restaurant in Chattanooga? I would ask coffee shop, but I'm afraid of you. It would be caffeinated. <laughs> Duh. Okay. What restaurant? Um, <laughs> that's, yeah. food. <laughs> that, that's not a fair question. I just want to say. Well, we can do pop-ups. Okay. We can then talk about 100% Max Kitchen. 100% Max Kitchen. Mm-hmm. 100%. Max Kitchen. So 100%. Smash Boys. I see how it is. <gasps> oh, no. Oh. Okay, you yeah. can do Max, and I can do Smash Boys. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think Smash Boys has gotten more of our money. That's true. <laughs> We're your all about the pop-ups. Yeah. 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 I love it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what's your go-to <laughs> coffee drink or coffee shop drink? Um, iced oat milk latte with honey, sometimes lavender if I'm feeling bougie. I can tell you, Deirdre, it's an extra large <laughs> London fog, but made with honey instead of vanilla with oat milk. <laughs> Or a toasted marshmallow lavender latte. Yes. With oat milk. From, from up down coffee shop. He made me one today. <laughs> That's what you were saying earlier. It was so good. Was a specialty drink. Yeah, Man. just for me. Who's your favorite superhero? Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel? The Brie Larson version? Yes. Right? Though I do love Black Panther too. Sorry. I was about to say, I was like Shuri. Yeah. Or were Falcon, he, but now sh- is Captain America. Yeah. Spider-Man also. We do Spider-Man we really has have always to have this. Holland or Andrew Garfield Andrew was my Garfield. first love. Yes. He was my first love. I love it. Not even kidding. What's your favorite song? In general? Mm-hmm. Um, What's the alternative? I thought you meant like theme song. Right oh. now it's <laughs> Cold by Novo Amor. Nice. The build up in that song is perfection. Um, What's the Holly... Holly Humberstone? Yeah. Deep End? Yeah. I'm li- I like your version of it better, though. Oh, that's... Mm-hmm. Don't say that. It's true, though. <laughs> I love her version. <laughs> I like your version of it. But, yeah, I'm listening to that one over mm-hmm. and over again. Nova Moore is probably my most played, though. Favorite yeah. band? You too. You too. I can, I can say Inhaler, because yeah. it's... Um, Bono's son is part of a band that we're going to go see in March cool. and they're part of a band called Inhaler. But so I like the old school so yeah. you too and you like Inhaler. Inhaler. <laughs> love it. I was like, oh yeah, perfect. I love that. It's great. What's your favorite thing to make? Um chaos. Mm, I like it. <laughs> Why are you laughing? <laughs> <laughs> I like to disturb systems of oppression. Oh. <laughs> I love that. Yes. <laughs> I can't tag team, but at the same time, also, I love that. Creating space for advocacy. That's what I love to make. Yeah, I was going to say food, but dad's a cook, so. That's, yeah. Yeah, no. Also, Harry, songs. Yeah. Duh. Harry Potter, Star Wars, or Lord of the Rings? Harry Potter. Yeah, Harry Potter. Wow. But we're fans Harry of all. Harry Potter or Marvel? Harry Potter. Oh, Harry Potter. I've been so disappointed with Marvel. That's a hot topic. Have you seen the new Ant-Man? No, have you? I heard it was good. No. Okay. No, I went to see it last night. Okay. Um, Harry, which of the Harry Potter movies is your favorite? Five. The fifth one, yeah. Is that Order of the Phoenix? Yep. That's a good one. That was also my favorite book. Also, this part one of Deathly Hollows yep. is really good. Yep. I would agree. Yeah, episode five and then part one of number favorite seven. Favorite character in Harry Potter? Sirius Black. Is that why the fifth one is both your favorite and least favorite? Probably. Yeah. 
Hermione Granger. I mean, obviously, we love Hermione. Yeah. Also, Luna Lovegood is just so badass. Yeah, I love her. We're huge Harry (laughs) Potter fans. Massive. Favorite spell? Ooh. Mm. Ooh. No. No. Why? Are we even joking about that? I mean, I feel like Lumos, just because I love the idea of spreading light and... Yeah. the change. Yeah. And the change. <laughs> How are we tying everything together? Yeah. Lumos. <laughs> God. What about you? Um, I don't know that I've ever thought about this. I love, I love the, the one that unlocks doors. No, I love the one that Ron, like, made fun of Hermione. Oh. When God yes. love you so. Love you so. Yes. <laughs> I, love, I love that part of it. That's yeah. Funny. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so final thoughts. So the two words I always think of when I think of you guys are catalyst and bridge, because I feel like you guys are a catalyst in things you participate in and overthrow stuff. And, um, you are a bridge to people that normally wouldn't talk to each other. So mm-hmm. I think that's a fun way to think of it. And something that I would maybe say, what is like your next version of catalyst or your next bridge you're going to make and how can other people get involved with that? So, um, mm-hmm. When this comes out, we'll be rolling out the Bagel of Change soon uh, and our quarterly initiatives. So give us the follow on Instagram and all of that. Uh, figure out how you can click in with these awesome, wonderful people. Um, check them out on Spotify in the Company of Wolves. It's very fun. I have it on my indie acoustic playlists. Um, they have four songs out right now, but they're about to come out with a fifth one. Yeah. By the time this is out. I know. Yeah. We will have. And maybe even the sixth one by then. Maybe. What, yeah. Have you announced what the next one is, or is that? No, it's out? so no. Uh, the next one that we're releasing next week or this, this week. week. Oh my Friday. god, this week, this Friday. Um, it's going to be a cover of Little Talks, and then the one yes. that we're releasing out. I was that this morning, I was like, they need to do a cover. Of yes. That. yes, so we're releasing that, and the next one will be an original called Red Lettering. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, awesome. Yeah, that's so exciting. Yeah, um, and they also are on TikTok. Sydney has been killing it on the TikTok game. Uh, she's been doing great. So follow them on TikTok and the Company of Wolves Indie. Is that right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's no Be the Change TikTok, right? No. Just nope. Instagram. Uh, but yeah, check them out, follow them, interact with them, engage with them, uh, give them shit, all the stuff. Um, thanks for joining us today. This thanks was wonderful. For having yeah, us. Thanks for having Sorry us. it took so long to happen. We should have had this a while ago, but I think it was good timing. Yeah, yes, I perfect. think it was great timing. Um, any final thoughts before we sign off? No, thanks for having the space. Yeah. We appreciate it. Dylan? I'm all good. Good. All right. Uh, if you have some extra cash laying around, throw it towards them. <laughs> Please. Uh, they're literally helping children to feel better. Mm-hmm. And you can't have a greater purpose than that. So, But guilt trip over. Thanks for signing in with us. Uh, tune in next week for more of the same. And this was Startup Heroes with the Hive Think crew. Chris Wood. Dylan. Dylan. Wasn't Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Chris Wood. Yeah. Dylan wasn't at. Chris Wood. And Michael Lardizabal in the corner. <laughs> and Nathan, who's sick. Sick. Oh. Yeah. We locked him in the office. Yeah. <laughs> no contamination here. <laughs> and that's Startup Heroes. Bye, guys. Bye. <laughs>